prophet. He's writing to the children of Israel saying that the king has come. Okay, and we talked about the different gospels, how it's presented in different ways from different perspectives. Matthew is specifically trying to present to the children of Israel that their Messiah has come. And we talked about the birth of the king and the royal reception of the king and we've talked about the kings of baptism and everything and God preparing him and then we talked last week about the king shows his worthiness that uh, he was tempted in all ports, points as we were okay we talked about how important in understanding what temptation is that God gives us the ability to make a choice and now uh, we pick it up in the end of this chapter with um, a lot of information but today, this morning, we're going to be focusing on the king's call. Okay, so the king himself uh, reaches out and um, makes an invitation. And we're going to be talking about how it's important to see this as it progresses through the scripture. All right, so with that in mind, uh, go if you would to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. And we'll read this together, and then we'll break it down. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast at the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that he might fulfill, be fulfilled which was spoken by, the, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James and his brother, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, uh, Zebedee I'm trying, uh, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those which had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and beyond Jordan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, help us. There's a lot of information about our Lord and what he had begun to accomplish as he started his ministry. And so, Father, uh, help us as we understand this call that he extends. But, Lord, that uh, in this next week or two, we would understand what Jesus does as he begins his public ministry. So, Lord, I thank you. Be with my mind. Uh, Lord, 
uh, we understand clearly that I am not the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher that uh, you promised he would bring us to remembrance and he would show us things that we needed to see. So, Father, every one of us are here this morning because we want to change. We want to be more like you. Uh, so, Father, just lay upon our hearts what we as each one of us need to understand this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when we're talking about the Gospels, uh, it's interesting. Now, if you have a chronological Bible, okay, and we'll talk about this here and briefly. Um, I'm waiting for my wife to get back up so we can get the PowerPoint going. But I don't know, Glenn, if you can open it. Oh, hey, all right. Understanding the Gospels chronologically takes some time. Now, the, the Gospels lay out right with each other, like overlapping. Um, one of the things that I had heard many years ago, and we talked about this in the book of Revelation as well, uh, to understand the book of Revelation, you have to realize it's the same events recorded four different times through. Okay, it's not chronologically front to back. It's a block, and then it's told again, and then it's told again. So to understand it, you lay the things over each other like a printer. Anybody ever use uh, screen printing? Okay, we used to, I, when I grew up in high school, the, uh, the pastor had an A.B. Dick printer downstairs. It was a mimeograph machine that would run the pages through. And you'd put black ink, and then if you wanted to put colored ink, you had to clean the whole machine up, put the colored ink in, run it through, just like printers today. Now, if you have a printer in your house or in your office, it prints all those colors at one time. Okay, but interestingly enough, uh, the way God has lined up this world, it takes four different colors to produce the colors that we see on print. Only four. Okay, you have black, what, sienna, and, and uh, the, I can't even remember the name of the colors anymore. That's the one. All right. I knew somebody, one of these kids, would use it. And what happens is as those four colors are laid over the top of one another. Okay, and when you lay all those colors over the top of each other, um, you get the full image, and they will mix the colors. Now, you ever have a printer that runs out of the, one of the colors of the ink, and all of a sudden you're looking at the image and there's things missing because without that color you can't see the full picture? Well, it's amazing to me that the Gospels are four to, that are overlaid on each other about the Lord Jesus Christ in his first coming, the book of Revelation is four different times through that are laid over the top of each other to show us Jesus Christ in his second coming. Just amazing how God's word put these things together. But with that in mind, sometimes it's difficult to understand when we're reading these gospels together where things fit. Well, where we started reading this morning versus where we stopped reading last week was verse 11 and 12. Okay, there is almost a total one-year period between those two verses. Okay, we, sometimes we don't understand that. We think when we're reading through Matthew, Jesus got baptized and he went to his temptation, and boom, he's in Galilee. Okay, that, to understand that, we have to understand that there's a gap there. Okay, um, if we look, several things happen, and Dan got done teaching this not too long ago, that in the events from John 1.19 to the end of chapter 4 all occur in between the verses we just read. So when we read from Jesus' temptation, and now he's on his way to Galilee, all these things occurred. The wedding of Cana, where Jesus goes and meets with Nicodemus, when Jesus sees the Samaritan woman, when he goes and meets the noble, heals the nobleman's son, these are all occurring in that gap. 
Okay, so when you and I, if you're reading through Matthew and you go from verse 11 to verse 12, you skip a lot of what was going on in Jesus' life. Not because Matthew made a mistake. Remember, Matthew's focus is to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ as king. Okay, and how he fits the prophecy. So uh, Matthew jumps directly to John the Baptist is now thrown in prison. And number two, that he goes and fulfills scripture that is, is in Isaiah, that he would be from Galilee. Okay, to John, to Mark, to, Ma- uh, to uh, Luke, those aren't as important as to Matthew. So that's why there's a gap here. Matthew's saying, you want important things to know about our king, Messiah, Jesus? He said, he was tempted to prove his kingship, and then, boom, John the Baptist is thrown in prison, and Jesus starts his public ministry. So that's why this is important, the way this is laid out. Now, with that in mind, understanding that, I want to cover one subject this morning, and that's this call. All right, so we're going to be looking through this. John the Baptist is thrown into prison, and please remember... John the Baptist had a very specific goal, a very specific call to be on this planet, and that was to prepare the way for Messiah. Okay, we talked about he would be the spirit of Elias coming, right? That he would be preaching and be in the wilderness, and he would prepare Messiah. And we, I'm not going to re-preach that, guys, from a couple weeks back, where we looked at all the Old Testament prophecies that said that one with the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist, and Jesus himself said, hey, John the Baptist is Elijah, the one who came to prepare the way. John has now fulfilled his ministry. Okay, notice Jesus doesn't start his public preaching ministry until John the Baptist is thrown into jail. As soon as John the Baptist is off the scene and thrown into prison and soon to be beheaded, Okay, that's when Jesus makes his move. Why? Because God has finished with John the Baptist in his preparing for the king. He's the herald of the king we talked about a couple weeks ago. Now Jesus hears that, and Jesus begins to step up and take the position that he needs to take. And these verses are just a reminder of this in John chapter 3. John was not cast into prison yet, so John is making that clarification that the stuff that's gone on if you know what John 3.16 is and everything, that's speaking to Nicodemus. Okay, so when we get to Matthew, Matthew chapter 12 says he's already in prison. Okay, Nicodemus and the conversation there, he's not in prison yet. So it gives us a timeline. But remember, John understood that, listen, I'm here for a short time, but my job is to glorify him. I must decrease. He will increase. So John's thrown into prison, and Jesus steps up into his ministry. So let me give you a quick layout. You can write this down. You'll see it again. But uh, if you look, Jesus is about to start his public ministry. Now, his public ministry lasts about three, three and a half years. All right? That first year qualified as kind of the year of obscurity. Jesus spends a lot of time developing his disciples, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, this call. Okay, the second year is the year of popularity where Jesus now, we just saw, read it, about a year later, Jesus starts preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He starts healing and the multitudes start coming to him. Okay, that's where we're about to step in Matthew's gospel. You with me so far? I know I'm just, this is like watching last week on, 
you know, some television show. They have to remind you of some of the things that have gone on for, to fit. All right? Then the third year is the year of his persecution. And we talk about he starts the passion of the Christ, where people now, all these multitudes are really listening to what Jesus has to say, really understanding that he is calling for absolute surrender and sacrifice. He's calling for people to step out of their comfort zone and follow him, even though it's not convenient. And a lot of people start turning their back on him until the point where he gets opposed. Okay, For a little while, he was... Uh, uh, a bit of an oddity to the Jewish leadership. Then for a little while they were baffled at him and kind of were wondering about his teaching and why all these people are following him. And then once Jesus really starts putting his foot down with the religious leadership, they realize they don't like what he's saying. You're going to take our authority and our power away from us, Jesus. We like, we're comfortable being the leaders of this Jewish religion. How dare you? And they start plotting to have him crucified, all right? So this, all this in a big picture to remind us that the Gospels are not necessarily chronologically the way they're laid out, all right? We have to understand that to understand this next section, all right? Because Jesus does, does something cool. Um, and uh, I couldn't convince my wife. I just couldn't. Um, here in this passage, uh, in verse 18... I'll read this verse again. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets, for they were fishers. I had two sons. You know what I wanted to name them, don't you? Peter and Andrew, for they were fishers. It was biblical. I mean, how could you not name them that? Okay, you know, I'm Craig Fisher. You know, why not name my, but you know, but my, my, we had different plans. It would have fit really well. But understanding this call, he sees Peter and Andrew fishing, and Jesus reaches out with a call to them. And uh, if you know the next verse, two verse, he talks about going and seeing the sons of Zebedee, okay, James and John, who are also fishermen with their father Zebedee, and he calls to them. All right, so. That's what we are looking at here in Matthew chapter 4, 18 uh, through 22. But this is not the first time they were called. So when understanding the king's call, we have to see the progression that happens here. And to do so, we're going to have to go through the Gospels, each one of them. But it's so important that we understand this because sometimes we think that at this moment in time, because if you don't realize a whole year has gone by, you think when he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus just walked up to these guys who were fishing and said, hey, come on, follow me, you'll be fishers of men. Didn't happen in that order, all right? So you're with me, strap on the thinking caps, I want to put these things in biblical order so you'll see how important this is for you and I, because it hasn't changed, all right? Bear with me. So, this is not the first time. Go to John chapter 1, verse 32. Now, a lot of times I put the verses up there, but these are longer passages, so I want it to be seen John chapter 1, you with me? Verse 32, and John bare record saying, I saw the spirit of him descending like a dove. So we're talking about right after his baptism. Now, get this, what we looked at with Jesus just now 
this call to the disciples, I will make you fishers of men, is after his temptation, after we see him in, uh, going to Galilee, after Nicodemus. So we know that this thing right here we're about to read comes immediately after Jesus' baptism. All right? That's why this verse is so important. Descending on him like a dove and abode on, and he knew, not, uh, knew him not, but that he sent him to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, the same is he which baptizes you with the Holy Ghost. And I saw on bare record that this is the Son of God. Now catch verse 35. Again, the next day. So the baptism happens the next day after the baptism. Okay, after John stood, two of his disciples looking upon Jesus as he walked, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples that heard him, which spake, they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to, uh, be in, uh, to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And uh, they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he findeth his own brother Simon, okay, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, but thou shalt be called Cephas, which is interpreted a stone. Okay, this is where he changes Peter's name. And the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, finding Philip and saying unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and said uh, and and in the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph so I want you to see that this is right after the day after Jesus's baptism okay Peter James John Andrew these guys realize that they have found the Christ the Messiah so this is the first time so if i were to put this out Go ahead, go ahead and click us a little bit. Oh, they're switching positions. Go ahead, give me a next part. Okay, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted Christ. And Jesus says, follow me. Okay, now we just looked at Matthew, but this comes first. So when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, that's not the first time he had met these fellows. He had already met them once before and said, follow me, and they re- had a realization that this is Christ, this is our Messiah. Okay, so if we're going to put this as a qualification, this is a call to salvation. This is the first time they see Jesus. And they admit that Jesus is their Messiah. Now, I want to be careful in that their salvation at this point was a little different because Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. Okay, until Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, salvation isn't the same as we have it now. But this is where they came to a realization that they just met Jesus Christ, Messiah. Okay, now, you getting it so far? Now when we go to Matthew, which is the second one, which we just read. Go ahead, Glenn, keep going. 
He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. So they had already met Jesus, already confessed that he was the Christ, okay, right after his baptism. Jesus comes, finds them later fishing, okay, and Jesus says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So this is the second time that Jesus extends this call to them. And we would call this one the call to service. The first one they came and said, listen, he is Messiah. We've answered the call to follow him. This one, Jesus says, listen, if you follow me, I'll help you to fish for men. Okay, so it's a little different call, you see. Now notice, and this is something that's important in this world. You know how many churches are full of people right now who don't understand this last sentence on the board? It is absolutely imperative that you answer the call to salvation before you answer the call to service. There are thousands, probably millions of people in churches today who are serving God but have never found him and admitted him as their Messiah, their Lord and Savior. Without the realization that he is the Christ, he is my Savior, it doesn't matter the amount of service you do. The first thing, and the disciples see this. So in Matthew, if we're not careful, and this is where people get this thing messed up, that, oh, Jesus just bumps into him and says, listen, guys, all right, come on, I'll make you fishers of men. They totally bypass the fact that they admitted he was Messiah and received him as that first. You have to, have to, have to make Christ your Savior before you can serve him. And that's so often backwards in so many Christendom churches that people will serve and serve and serve for decades without ever, ever admitting and receiving Christ as their Messiah. So important that we understand this. So when Matthew's got that group, that, that block between 11 and 12 of that period of time, these men have already admitted and received Jesus as their Messiah. Then they step up and serve. Then Jesus extends the second part of the call, which is, all right, you have salvation, you believe who I am, you trust me, now I'm going to set you up for service. All right, so come, serve me. And it says, and they left their nets straightway, right? Hang on to that thought. Next part. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. So go to Luke. So the, the king's call continues. Call for salvation. Now a call to service. Luke chapter 5. So again, another little bit of lengthy passage, so I didn't put it all up here. So if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass, as the people pressed on him to hear the word of God, as he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, if you, if you don't understand, the lake of Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. Okay, it's the same thing. Um, and Dan's been over there. I have not. Uh, from my understanding, when we think of the Sea of Galilee, it's not that impressive compared to what we think a sea might be. Okay, uh, right, Dan? You would consider it more of a lake. Uh, it's a large lake, uh, you know. So here, Luke, being the very specific doctor that he has, doesn't call it the Sea of Galilee. He calls it the Lake of Gennesaret because Luke is into details, right? Um, he saw two ships by the, by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered one, into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out from the land. 
And he sat down and taught the people of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets. Or notice that. Uh, O ye of little faith. Did you catch that? Jesus said, cast out and put down your nets, plural. Peter says, oh, we toiled all night, Lord, but, you know, okay, we'll let down a net. One. Interesting. Anyway, um, and when he had done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in the net break and beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it and fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which had been taken. So, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, this is, sounds as if it might be the same story, okay? That he says, listen, uh, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, listen, from now you'll catch men. But this is after Matthew chapter 8. This is after Jesus already has healed Peter's mother-in-law. Okay, so this is a separate occurrence quite a bit later. So we see, number one, they admitted Jesus Christ was their Savior, the Messiah. They trusted that. They were called to service. Listen, I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their nets to go follow Jesus. Now they're back doing their job, back doing their uh, fishing. Okay, And Jesus said, and when, uh, when he called them this time, they forsook all and followed him. Now catch this, and I wrote it up there already. This was a call to sacrifice. So Jesus says, okay, you believe in me? That call to salvation, you trusted that. Number two, I'm calling you to service. Now, didn't just say they left their nets and went and followed Jesus, and now we find them fishing again. This time it says they forsook all. They gave it all, put it all aside, and said, you know what? We are 100% in. And Jesus said, okay, good, because I'm going to help you to catch men. Now, this is the whole thing we'll probably talk a little bit more about next week. But you know how many times in the scripture that humanity, people, are categorized as fish? That this is talking about going and evangelizing the world. Okay? But he calls them to sacrifice. They went, they left, they came back, they were doing some more fishing. This time, they put it all aside and said, you know what? We're 100% with you, Jesus, from now on. So they had a call for salvation. They had a call for service. Now they have a call for sacrifice. It doesn't stop there. Next one. Matthew chapter 10. So again, after chapter 8, after... So we're progressing in time. And remember the first, the the year of obscurity is when Jesus worked on his disciples. This is what we're talking about. This is that time period. Matthew chapter 10. One through seven. 
So you get this so far, right? Peter, James, John, right? Andrew, no East Messiah, same guy, sons of Zebedee who are fishing. He says, listen, I'm going to call you to do some service. So he starts serving. Finds them later, shows them this great miracle. They're like, Lord, we're, we're 100%. We're on your team now. They forsake all. Now, Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called unto them, when he had called unto him 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. And he healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Thomas, and Matthew the publican, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Louis, uh, who is surnamed Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not unto the, gen- the way of the Gentiles, into the city of Samaria enter not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass nor purses nor script for your journey, neither coats, neither, sh- or, uh, neither shoes, nor staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who, is it, uh, who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. Jesus calls, go ahead, Glenn. He names the twelve apostles. These twelve were sent forth by Jesus to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now he calls for separated leadership. Now we're talking about the king's call, that this has several stages. Salvation, service, sacrifice. Now he wants leaders. And he calls these 12 and gives them a special job to do, to go out. Notice, and we'll talk about this in chapter 13 especially, Jesus first commands them to go to only Israel. Do you catch that? Don't go to the houses of the Gentiles. Don't go to the city of the Samaritans. This message is for the children of Israel first. Okay? Then there's a marked change in Jesus' life where he says, listen, I'm no, no longer going to the house of Israel, but we're going to reach out to the Gentiles. Keep that in mind. We'll be coming up on that. But do you see a progression here? There's a progression from salvation to service to sacrifice to leadership. That he will select you and say, all right, I've seen you. You've sacrificed all. Now I'm going to separate you onto part of the ministry that I'm going to give you to do. All right? Last bit. We're not done quite yet. John chapter 21. Last chapter in the book of John. This one gives me goosebumps. Uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, the old faithful saint we used to know, she used to call them glory bumps. Not goosebumps, but glory bumps. Here, this is after the resurrection, and sure enough, Peter, James, John, Andrew are back fishing. They were confused. They were, the Lord's gone. What do we do? They went back to what they were doing before. Okay? And uh, Jesus, 
why this is such a good passage of scriptures. Jesus is cooking them some good old vittles on the shore. Okay, they're out working and they come to shore and Jesus is cooking them a meal in his glorified body. After this, oh Man, talk about a great day. How awesome would it be if you were just working one day, you showed up and there's Jesus, resurrected Savior who you've believed in your whole life and trusted in him and he's making you dinner. Man, I'm telling you, I would have loved that. That's why I, this gives me goosebumps, man. Someday you and I are going to sit down at a meal with our Savior someday. Ooh. It's going to be great stuff. But look, if you would, um, what verse do I want? Oh, 15. Yeah, thank you. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now notice, what is the these here? Fishing. He's back to doing his old job. He's back to serve, and he's with his buddies doing the, what they have always done. And Jesus says, listen, do you love me more than this? I remember when you surrendered. I remember when you sacrificed. I remember when I gave you a position of leadership. Do you love me more than this? Notice what, Jesus, uh, what Peter says. And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto them, him, Feed my lambs. And he saith again a second time to Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now I want you to see one more little section here. He says, Verily I say unto thee, uh, unto thee when thou wast young, thou didst gird thyself and walk thither whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stress forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Jesus tells him a little bit of a future, but he ends this whole thought with follow me. So what's the call here? Simon, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He calls them to shepherd. Okay? Ministering the word of God to God's people. Remember, there are two things that last forever. The word of God and souls of men. Nothing else. And the moment you and I become a, sa a, a saved person, we, we put Jesus as our, we realize he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. Okay, he is the one that forgives us of our sin and guarantees us salvation. From that point forward, God has a plan for you and I. Now, I haven't talked about this in a while, but th this is why we do discipleship here at church. Because it is laid out exactly the way that God laid out his call to everyone he's ever dealt with. The king's call is, first, a call to salvation. Have you made him your Messiah? Number two, it's a call to service. Okay, go ahead to the next one, Glenn. It's not enough just to go to church, to get saved and come to church. A true disciple grows through stages. And Jesus just laid out these stages in the king's call. He calls, you know what, I love this. 
not one of these apostles were uh, trained Pharisees who served in the temple. Not one of them were highly educated, upper crust. Jesus chose regular people. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know what I mean. Every one of these guys. Fishermen, four of them were fishermen. One was a, you know, kind of a rebellious, uh, not an anarchist, but he was anti-government at the time. One of them was a lousy tax collector. There were a couple other scoundrels in the bunch. It's a good old popular term these days, scoundrels. Jesus chose all kinds. What's great is he takes you from where you are and moves you to where he wants you to be. Now the next section, and we're going to walk right through these guys. So where are you? Have you met Jesus Christ as your Savior? The call for salvation is out there. I know many of your testimony, and I can probably say, yeah. But number two, he puts out a call for service. Have you ever taken that step? Or are you just comfortable knowing that you're going to heaven someday? But you know what, Lord? And eh, moving any further, I don't know if I'm up for that. Okay, so uh, number three. Maybe you have said, Lord, I, I know who you are. You're my Savior. I'm willing to do what it is you want me to do. And he says, good. How willing are you? They forsook all to be able to do what God asked them to do. You ever come to that place in your life where God wants more than you think you're ready to give and you say, Father, I got no choice. I'm going to do exactly what you tell me. You, you're everything. Nothing matters anymore but you. You ready to forsake all? Then there's the next part of the progression. And here it comes, guys. We don't like it, but this is the reason why God does this is he wants to separate you out and make you a leader. In God's family, there ain't no couch potatoes. The problem is, their church is full of couch potatoes. People will come in and say, well, you know, Pastor Dan's teaching us in Sunday school, Pastor Craig's teaching us in Sunday morning, and aren't we good? God says, there's a natural progression that happens. He wants you to step up and become a leader. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. Does that mean he wants you to be a pastor? I don't know. Missionary? I don't know. Maybe a Sunday school teacher. Maybe just an evangelist in your community. Maybe it's somebody who wants to step up and disciple somebody else. Because then he finally moves you to the final position, and that is he wants every one of you to be a shepherd. Now, what is a shepherd? Again, don't, don't... misunderstand the scriptural idea of shepherd this guy is not a shepherd a shepherd is someone who takes the word of god and feeds it to one of god's sheep the scripture is all over about the moms and dads are shepherds because they take care of their little flock the children there have been many of you who have down been downstairs and taught our children and you shepherded those little flocks A shepherd is someone who feeds the sheep. Take the word of God and teach it to somebody else. Do you see the progression? And guys, I don't want to harp hard on this, but I want to know at your own judgment. Don't you dare tell me. I don't need to know. God needs to know. 
where are you on this stage of growth? Because God wants all of us to get to the bottom one. Where are you? Well, Pastor, I've never been discipled. I've never had somebody teach me how to move to the next step. Come see me. It's not that hard. And those of you who have gone through discipleship or are going through discipleship with me, we talk about this all the time. The goal is we want you to be able to do this. That's all. We want you, you know, if God wipes out church leadership in this country and there's only folks who have been sitting in pews, will the church continue or is it going to fizzle out and fall apart? No couch potatoes. Now, please, I want to make sure I, I put this out there. I'm not done with this growth process either. You say, Pastor, well, you've reached that shepherd position. Your teachers, I have never reached anything. Every single day is a step closer to what God wants me to be. But if we don't realize there is a progression that Jesus puts out. So when we look at this king's call in Matthew, where he steps up and says, I'll make you fishers of men, that's just the second step. You've admitted I'm your Savior, I'm your Messiah. Now step out and serve me. And then as you're serving me, you'll realize that there's nothing more important in this world and you'll forsake everything to be able to do it. And then when you do that, God says, great, I can make you a leader now. And then God finally takes you and starts molding you and says, listen, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to take God's word and I want you to share it with somebody else. Now again, please don't, I'm not laying a guilt trip on anybody I'm asking you to evaluate where you are with the Lord and ask him to help you to understand where you fit. Maybe it's the last stage and you're like, I'm just waiting for somebody to feed. Praise God. But understand that there is a progression and we all need to be moving forward every single day. Maybe you've been one who's been through discipleship and dying to disciple somebody else. Well, you know how you get somebody to disciple? You go out and tell them about Jesus. And when they meet Jesus, you can say, all right, now that I told, introduced you to him, let me tell you more about him. And you can sit down across the table and just work through what you know about the Savior. But please, please, please understand that God wants us to be moving down this list to the point where we get the joy. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing, absolutely nothing more satisfying in this world than sharing the gospel with someone and then seeing them grow and, wa- and, and sitting down and saying, let me tell you about our God, because he's awesome. And, the, and you just celebrate together how awesome God is and what he's done. There is nothing more satisfying in the world. I mean, maybe a nice late night pepperoni pizza. No, nothing comes close. So I wanted to separate this out because it's very important in this passage that we see that this call isn't just, hey, If you follow me, you'll fish for men. There's so much more to this that we understand in this king's offer to follow me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, again, this ain't me. Father, you laid this out clearly in in your word. Chronologically, you took these men from just barely meeting you and, and realizing you are their savior, their Christ, all the way to the point where they are leading and they're feeding your people. 
Lord, I just pray that you'd help us understand the plan hasn't changed. It's been the same. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So, Father, I just ask for every one of us, me included, that we would remember this growth process, that this is a very important very important realization lord we don't want to be stagnant we don't want to be still we want to always be moving toward what you'd have for us and so father i just pray you bless this time in jesus name amen um we haven't done this in a while stand with me if you would there are times we give information and we let everybody process it and things um i don't think that there's any of us who can look at this list of growth and not understand that God has some place for us to be. And so I'm just going to have Kim play a song. And uh, we don't usually do an altar call. If you feel led to come forward and pray and ask God to help you as you're finding your place in his plan, if you just want to do it right in your seat and ask God to help you And you know what's great? Because of the way that Jesus trained his disciples and he left that training to us, look around you. You're in a family that is here to help each other grow. We're not here to to say we're on our own. Okay, The Lord Jesus spent all this time. And that's why in the passage in John chapter 17 where Jesus is about to go to the garden and he's offering a prayer to God, he says, not on the cross, This is in the house before he went to the garden to be, uh, uh, what do you call it, Um, betrayed. He said, I have finished the work that thou hast called me to do. What work had he finished? He had trained up his disciples and left them here to keep going. That's what we have to do. All right? Um, Just heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to have Kim play this song as we can just spend a minute with the Lord. Um, It's 327. The song is called Jesus is Calling. Have you answered the master's, the king's call? Just heads bowed and eyes closed for a minute. Spend a minute with the Lord.
Amen. Thank you. Dan ended uh, Sunday school I think two weeks ago and said, will you help me do that? And that's my request for you. We're a family. I need to keep growing. I need to keep moving forward. Will you help me do that? And I hope you ask God the same thing just now, now, that, Lord, I'm in a place in my life. I need to move forward. Will you help me do that? Let's help each other be more like God. Leave changed. Amen. Love you. You're dismissed. Ladies, have a great luncheon downstairs. I'm smelling it already, getting hungry. <laughs>